This is Samia Bano with Make Change Fun and Easy, podcast to help you create massive positive change in your life and the world. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sasyakal, aloha, ciao, bonjour, buna. It's so, so good to be with you all and uh, happy new year, by the way, because my gosh, it's just been a few days since we hit the new year. So extra, extra welcome to you all and extra welcome to our guest for today, Corey Samuelson. I'm so excited to have you on, Corey. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm very delighted to be here. It's going to be awesome. Yes, indeed. I'm so much looking forward to having our chat today because Corey is a mental strength coach and author, and he's the host of the upcoming Mental Toughness Mini Summit. And I can't wait to learn more from you, Corey. So tell me more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, so my background is as a fitness trainer. And one of the things that I noticed was that my clients, the challenges that they face, although obviously they're physical challenges, in the end, at the, at the very base of it, it it's a mental challenge. Mm-hmm. So when I would work with them in the gym, they would make progress, they would follow my directions, you know, they would do the exercises, learn the techniques. And then when they would go home, that's when the real challenges happened because they had to basically choose the right foods, rest enough, you know, decide to go to bed on time, that kind of thing. And I started to realize, and I'm sure this is the same in many different areas of life, but fitness being so physically oriented, people forget that connection between the physical and the mental. And so I started to really look at what is the real challenge that is faced? Where do people really need to make progress? And it's in the choices that they're making. So that is where I started to really look at, even in my own life, and I and we might get into some of that as well. But uh, but yeah, looking at the mental challenges that we face, and I like to say that even regardless of how physically challenging something might be or how physically oriented the task itself, we can fail physically, but more often than not, we fail mentally because we just give up. We think this is too hard. Mm. I can't figure this out. Whatever it happens to be, just, you know, negative beliefs or or, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 100% with you on that, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so excited we are having our chat today. Um, And I want you can you tell me more about the book that you wrote? Because I know you wrote a really brilliant book and I especially love how you talk about all of this uh, and approach this whole issue in your book. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. So I wrote this um, book called, I called it The Gym Chiridian with the subtitle, Everything That You Need to Master Your Life, You Will Learn in the Gym. And the idea behind it is I am a big follower, although I don't consider myself a a pure Stoic, but I really have found a lot of value in the Stoic philosophy. And I still read Epictetus, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, and a whole bunch of other ancient Greek 
thinkers in the in that line of thought and so there was um a manual that was put together by one of epictetus one of his students named arian and he collected talk or he collected snippets of epictetus speaking to his students and collected into a manual called the enchiridion which in ancient greek means um close at hand so this was a manual that people the students themselves could take out of the school when they were going about their lives and just refer to it so that they would have his lessons and so one day i was uh, it just occurred to me i thought what would it have been like if epictetus himself had been a fitness trainer in the modern day or you know with a little bit more of a modern set to it what advice would he be giving to his students in living which the stoics believe is is the way that we should approach life living a good life being a good human being in the context of getting fit or using exercise as the base and so that is that is where the idea for my book came up and so i made up this word gym chiridian which would be a a gym manual ready at hand so that was the idea and yeah i just love it applying the lessons of the gym into the rest of your life it, i just really really love that and um oh my gosh yeah, tell me more like tell me more um so like for example one of the guess thoughts that sort of coming into my mind when i think about the physical fitness industry thinking about the sort of like culture that i have experienced in the gyms and so forth it's in some ways seems to be in contrast to what you're talking about i absolutely love your approach but you know what i generally experience in the physical fitness industry is that people don't make this connection between physical fitness and the rest of our life and what happens in the gym and the rest of our life and most of the time when you know we're dealing with the physical fitness industry is just very very focused on you know how you're looking and how you're you know you're going to be feeling in in your body in terms of your physical fitness and strength and all that kind of stuff um and yes there are like illusions to the fact that hey if you're physically fit then the rest of your life will also be great <laughs> but um i don't i don't really see that happening for a lot of people like what's your experience yeah that is very astute of you because that is exactly what my experience was so I had an older brother who was into weightlifting when I was young and he's 12 years my senior so he was my hero and so when I got to the age where it was like hey can I lift weights too he would give me little uh, dumbbells and stuff and I would try to do my best and then eventually I started going to a gym when I was still in high school or junior high and it became a part of my life and slowly but surely I learned how to exercise and even before I became a certified trainer I was helping friends and family with their exercise with nutrition etc so it was very natural after a while although I didn't do it until I was in my 40s that I became a certified trainer mm-hmm. and so one of the things and this was part of the writing of the book as well is I I made this connection because one day 
I was, I was miserable with my life. Uh, you know, my social relationships weren't great. My finances weren't great. The, the work that I was doing at the time, I think I was in warehousing, although I might've moved on from that, but I was trying other areas like selling cars. I was a window cleaner for a while, doing snow removal in the winter. I mean, just jumping around, trying to figure out what am I doing? And I was messing around with the blog and, and all this. And again, one day it occurred to me that I, I looked at my life and, I, and how unhappy I was and how lonely I was. And, and I thought, what is it about my health and my fitness that I've got that in order and the rest of my life is not? And I realized it was because as far as my fitness and my health, in that area, I had a set of principles that I was living by, like, you know, there are rules in the gym, um, the overload principle, for example, where you try, you do your best to live, lift heavier and heavier weight if you want to build muscle, or you run for a longer distance if you're trying to increase your cardio. So that's, that's a principle of health and fitness. And then there's also skills that you need. So the skill of the exercises themselves, and I was very good at those. I learned the skill of lifting weights, the skill of running, the skill of stretching. And, and then finally, there were systems that was a, a part of that as well. So I had pieces of all these areas in my life as far as my health and fitness, and I was following them rigidly. And after a while, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a struggle or an effort. It was just, hey, yeah, this is what I do. This is my life. And I had gotten to a certain level of health and fitness with that, which I thought I was happy with. Like, as far as fitness and health, I felt this is taken care of on a scale of one to 10, with one being not fit at all and 10 being really, really fit and in charge of that area. I'd say I was probably an eight or a nine. You know, everyone always aspires to be a little bit beyond yeah. where they are. But the rest of my life, like some areas were like a two or three. And I realized I don't have principles. I not not that I didn't, but they 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 weren't they weren't consciously being thought of in the same way as my gym life and my exercise. I didn't have any real hard good skills, hard and soft, but no real skills in the area of relationships. And then finally, I didn't have the systems in place. So I was just living, you know, willy nilly. Yeah. Uh, hit or miss and quite often I would say I was missing the mark and so just as you were saying there people go into fitness and exercise and they hire trainers and they think oh if I could just if I could lose this belly if I could just you know build my shoulders up if I could look a little bit more appealing perhaps whatever it happens to be lower the blood pressure I mean obviously there are health and fitness goals that you need just to survive but if we think beyond that, and people are thinking, if I had a six pack, if I could win that race, whatever it happens to be, then my entire life would be perfect. And I did not find that at all because I was walking around muscular, strong, flexible, like really low heart rate, top notch, but I was miserable everywhere else. So just as you were saying, that solved my health and fitness issues, but the rest of my life not so much and you see the parallel quite often yeah. with entrepreneurship for example where people say oh if i only had this amount of money in my life everything else would be better 
but I actually heard somebody talking about this just the other day and and he was saying um, he's in the the entrepreneurial space he's a very successful businessman um, Alex Hermosi I think his name is and he said money solutions solve money problems but they don't solve health problems they don't solve relationship issues so if you have other problems and they're not money solving that money problem not so much and the same for me yeah. i didn't get the confidence with uh you know with the opposite sex i didn't i didn't feel satisfied in my career i just walked around feeling fairly good about my physicality and yeah so yeah you kind of opened up a can of worms there but yeah that was but that was what i noticed for myself so you hit the nail right on the head oh thank you so much for sharing that and being so honest and sharing that and you raised so many excellent points and you know one of the things that I sort of noticed that you were talking about are is this the, these three things that you had in place when it came to um, you know making that allowed you to have excellent physical fitness so you, I think you said you had principles you had skills and then you had systems mm-hmm. so um, off I, I mean, I'd love to talk about all of them, but I, I, I would love, I think, just for to start with, maybe if you could talk a little bit about systems, because I think that's the part that most people will be most unfamiliar with. Like, how do you understand systems? Uh, what do systems do for you? Like, why, why do we really need systems? Mm-hmm. Sure. And they... The, the idea of systems, I mean, moving from principles to skills to systems, you have to have the principles, mm. the skills basically put the principles in action, mm. and then the systems allow the skills to be mastered. Ah. So it, it, it all flows into one big um, a system in a way, right? The, the systems themselves are the nitty gritty details, if you oh. think of it that way. Mm. And it, one way to think of systems are habits. So if you if you constantly have to do something yourself, like you have to put a lot of thought, a lot of effort, a lot of, okay, I got to focus now and do this. That's not really a system at that point, because it takes that conscious effort. Mm. But if you have a habit, there is a system in place that is not conscious that you can think of it as non-conscious. Yeah. If we we're just talking about habits themselves. Um, and so when you, for example, have a system or a habit of choosing healthy food, then that's where you get to the part where you don't have to put effort in. Choosing the healthy food is just automatic. And when you go to the grocery store, for example, you don't look at or you don't see the unhealthy choices in the same way. They might not even register or you might see the color and the flash because they are marketed differently than healthy foods. You know, they're, they're made to look fun and, and very appetizing and, and whatnot. But somebody who has the habit of choosing healthy foods, they will just walk by them. They might see them, but they don't They don't start to think about, oh, mm, that would be so tasty to eat right now. They're like, oh man, I, I, I maybe maybe I'll just, I'll just buy it, but I won't eat them. I'll, I'll save them for Saturday, you know, put them in the cart, whatever. But somebody who has the habit, the system in place, they don't have to consciously think, okay, I, I don't, I don't do that kind of thing. 
I'm looking for apples, I'm looking for lettuce, I'm looking for the spinach, whatever it happens to be, right? Yeah. And so that's a, that's a simple synonym for a system is a habit. Then you can also take that. So if we look at the habit or sorry, the system of um, financial investing, for example, instead of just creating money yourself by trading time for money, you actually will invest your money. And then the system of the investment itself, if it's a good investment, will start to generate that money and it actually grows on its own. Right. So now you've got a way to grow your, your money as a system, as opposed to just you putting in the effort. That's yeah. a system in itself, but it's a very rudimentary one because again, you have to put the effort forward. Mm -hmm. And then that's the difference between people who become really wealthy and those who just live month to month from paycheck to paycheck. That's so true. So, that's yeah. True. So, the, like I say, the systems put the skills into practice, and that's how you master the skills themselves. Mm -hmm. And the skills are how you put the principles into action. So, right. it's, it all fits together. Yeah. Very, very cool. I love that. And can you maybe give us an example of a principle that? then translates into a particular skill that then you implement as a particular system? Sure. So what I was saying before, so if, if you're thinking about health and fitness, um, the overload principle, for example, is something that you make use of if you are weight training, even calisthenics. So if you're doing body weight training, so if, if this is my body here and I'm standing upright, my head's here, my feet are down here, the more I lean over to do push-ups, for example, if I'm doing push-ups on the floor, then this is, we consider this a, a, a regular push-up, feet here, arms here, head here, and I, I just push my body away from the floor. If that's too much, then I have to, if the overload or the load itself is too much, then I could lean myself up and maybe lean on a bench or a box. And then I'm doing incline push-ups. If it's too easy, then I can put my feet up on something and my head closer to the ground. And now I'm doing incline push-ups. And that is a way to play with the load. But the principle itself of overloading the muscles, in this case, the chest, the shoulders, the triceps, they have to be loaded enough over time that you build strength. Because if you just do 10 push-ups for three sets, every time you go in the gym, chances are they'll start to feel very easy, but you won't become necessarily stronger. So you have to keep building up the resistance. Now there's a very similar principle in uh, psychotherapy and therapy for people who have a fear, for example. Mm. So a fairly common one, let's say somebody has a fear of being inside an elevator because perhaps, you know, we'll call it claustrophobia. So yeah. they're af afraid of being in an enclosed yeah. space. So a fairly similar overload principle for somebody trying to overcome that fear is that the therapist will say, okay, let's approach this elevator here. You see it down the hallway, okay. the doors are closed. There's no threat here. How do you feel? I feel fine. Okay, so let's move 20 feet away from that elevator. How do you feel? 
I'm starting to feel a little anxious. Okay, well, let's just stop there. So over time, they, they, they increase the resistance that they can overcome or they just stand, okay, 20 feet from it. I'm fine. I'm feeling good now. Let's go 10 feet. Okay, I'm getting a little anxious again. Okay, let's, let's just hang out here and let that feeling die down. And then eventually, okay, now it's going to be 10 feet away with the doors open. How do you feel? Well, okay, I'm starting to feel anxious again. And then the idea being, okay, just getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, working on mm. that similar principle, very close to overload, where you're, you're just, you're feeling the resistance, but you're getting a little closer to where you are a little bit uncomfortable, but not too much that you can't handle it. Like, yeah. maybe you know you've got a loaded barbell on your back and it's way too much weight and if you were to step away from the rack with it it would just crush you that's obviously way too much and for somebody to say get in that elevator and just feel the panic and you'll get over it yeah that can work but it can also make it way way worse so right. so that's a couple of examples oh thank you for that and you just made me think of so many like important life lessons that you know we draw from that you know the idea of you know making sure you're challenging yourself in life uh, so you can continue to grow stronger and um, you know not stagnate in that way uh, but also you know the idea of uh, when something is challenging you you do what you can do in the moment and over time you know you build up mm-hmm. capacity so not trying to <laughs> do the the most difficult thing right away necessarily um uh you know and and oh my gosh there's so many other lessons that we could uh draw from that uh oh my gosh okay so i'm definitely starting to see the connections between you know like the the lessons in the gym and how you can bring them into our life. I just love it. That's so wonderful. Uh, so can you tell me more about, um, I mean, nowadays, of course, uh, you're all about mental toughness. You're even going to be doing the mental toughness mini summit uh, very shortly. Uh, tell me more about that. Like what, what, do you focus on in in um in that context of you know talking about addressing mental toughness you mean in the summit itself or just as a as a mental toughness tell us more about the summit that'll give us a good idea of uh how you approach it in general too sure sure so the idea behind the summit itself is that we're talking to experts um authors entrepreneurs uh where they they have well they they may not have thought about it themselves but i'm asking them questions about well what what does someone do when they when they don't want to do something yeah and that's where that choice comes in right it's not physical in these in these capacities so if you have someone who perhaps wants to write a book and Mm -hmm. they feel frustrated by that process or they have you know it's called writer's block for example that's definitely mental it's a mental challenge it's something that they have to work through not necessarily by sitting down and and looking at their their deep-seated you know psychological issues from childhood that's not what it's about it's just that in the moment choice of i want to write this is the time that i want to write but i'm 
having a challenge with this. Like this isn't working out for me right now and I'm getting angry at myself, beating myself up. So what are the, what are the things that the person that the expert that I'm talking to, maybe they've already written a, a book and most of them have that I'm interviewing for this summit. They are authors themselves, but they're also experts in their own fields. So for example, I've spoken with a university professor um, who looks at ancient Greek philosophy. And one of the books that she wrote, her name is Heather Reed. She wrote a book called The Philosophical Athlete. And um, she looked at being a good person, which is why I was really excited to talk to her, being a good person through an athletic pursuit. Yeah. So looking at ethics and athleticism. And she's also written about uh, the philosophy of sport itself, Olympic philosophy, and how that idea for the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans differs from the way that people look at sport and, and athleticism and Olympics nowadays. So that was really interesting. I, from my own perspective, like I was looking forward to just to chatting with her about that. Um, someone else that I was speaking with, uh, Anthony Mativier, he's a memory expert and he actually has created um, the magnetic memory method. And he went through his own he actually had a lot of mental challenges as he was growing up. Um, he didn't call it uh, manic depression or anything like that, but that's kind of how I took it to be, where he, he would say, you know, like sometimes he was like full of energy and then other times he had such low energy that he didn't want to do anything. And I was asking him, okay, how did you deal with that? Because he did deal with it. And he, he used memory techniques and, and the research that he was doing through that to help himself through it. And one of the things that he said is that stubbornness is something that we have and we just apply it in the wrong areas of our lives. So we might actually be very stubborn to set aside time to play video games is what he said. So that stubbornness is there where we're like, okay, no, I don't, I'm not going to talk to my friends. I'm not going to go out with my family. I'm playing video games. And that's, that's what they're stubborn about. And it's just a matter of how do you take that that innate stubbornness and point it in a different direction. Mm. Um, yeah, and then another fellow that I spoke with, um, Brendan Rierick, he is a basically a strength and conditioning coach. And his mission is to make exercise the number one prescribed drug before the year 2055 nice. which is really interesting in itself and we actually spoke directly about mental toughness mm. and his his three suggestions for that so yeah, yeah um it's cool. everyone ha well not everyone but i mean i think most people get the idea that our challenges in life and i keep saying i i beat it like a dead horse our challenges in life are mental challenges because if you take away somebody's money yes they're they're going to be in a certain mental state and if they're strong enough or at least skilled enough let's put it that way so it's not necessarily toughness or or just i don't want i don't want to say that say it as though it's a character flaw to not be strong but it's a matter of skill and it's a matter of training and it's a matter of conditioning, which is why I personally liken it to fitness training and becoming yeah. strong in the gym because yeah. there's a process to it. And we can't just, 
although mentally it's different it's a it, it there are different mechanisms in place so you can be stronger at a at a different pace than you can become stronger physically for example but at the same time if you think that it's instant i think that can be that can then become its own hurdle because if you find that it it doesn't come as quickly as you want then that becomes part of the challenge itself because then you people start to think oh i don't have it in me that person over there is strong this one over here can handle it you take away their money and they somehow bounce back from this loss of finances or or losing a job or you know the pandemic happens and everything goes out the window yeah but i i'm 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 not dealing with this very well and then that becomes part of their own challenge so mm. yeah and and yeah i hesitate to say that it's although we do speak in these terms where it's a, it's the it's a strength of character but it's i don't want people to to beat themselves up if they think they don't have that strength because it it does it's a process right. it can be as simple as a choice but for most people there is training there are choices and if you think of it as physical training yeah. then that character strength can be developed yes and this is something the stoics said that you know um some philosophies back in the day they said that it was more of an aristocratic character trait to to be a virtuous person but i think the stoics were some of the first ones to say no no it doesn't matter if you're a slave or you're an emperor everyone has the same capacity to become a good virtuous person and uh, yes. that's where my idea of strength comes from it's, it's about that development yeah and i just absolutely love that because you know it made me think about how <laughs> when i was not yet a happiness expert myself but i was a happiness expert in training mm-hmm. um you know um th- because i wasn't always a very happy person in fact i'm a survivor of child sexual abuse so for literally two decades of my life i was like really struggling with my mental health and my happiness and my inner peace and how i sort of overcame that struggle or healed from that struggle it was definitely a process of learning growth and training and actually one of the most impactful teachers mentors that i've worked with in my life my happiness expert dr amy corget and um you know she's the one actually um that she was actually the first coach that i ever worked with and um one of the things that she had us do was actually in uh, you know i can use the language of retrain our brain and one of the things for example that we retrained my brain to do was to think in more positive ways to let go of my tendency to think in blaming ways and judging ways and uh, you know criticizing ways and you know most of the time honestly like it wasn't even so much of a problem with me judging blaming criticizing other people the big problem was me blaming judging and criticizing myself really really harshly and yeah. so that really 
kept me stuck in this really negative place in my life, you know. And so I remember Dr. Amy, you know, she would she one of the most important exercises like to this day that I believe that I learned is how to you know learn to transform negative thoughts into positive thoughts anytime i would have a negative thought dr amy said you have to write it down you have to become aware of what negative thoughts you have write them down and then you have to think okay this is a negative thought that i'm having but how can i turn it into a positive thought uh, what's something good that i can find in this situation and focus on that and when i first started that exercise and that practice it was so difficult to think of positive things that how do i take this negative thought or this negative situation that i'm feeling myself in and find something positive in it it's just bad it's a bad situation it's a bad feeling yeah. how do you find them but it's a skill like you know and it yeah. also but it's not just a skill it's also about that principle that underlies the skill that you're trying to learn that you know it starts with the belief that you can find something good in any situation you can you know um for example um uh even if there's nothing good in the situation you can respond to it in a good way um you know so there are different beliefs that support your uh, your ability to have that skill of turning negative thoughts into positive thoughts and then just like you said once you have the skill down then you put systems in place so yeah. that you're not getting so many negative thoughts in the first place so yeah. you know it's amazing we come back to what you were talking about in the beginning yeah and you can you know a famous example of that is Roger Bannister and the first sub 4 minute mile because up to that point before he ran 3 minutes 59 seconds whatever i think was the first first time anyone had ever run a mile in less than 4 minutes even though it was just fractions of a second doctors were saying the human heart will explode it's physiologically impossible to do this and you could think that so that's kind of what a principle would be in that instance it's just a belief it's a model of the world And these were experts saying these things to people who just thought well they're the experts i i i don't want my heart exploding like i would never try to run a sub 4 minute mile yeah. yet he did it and then all of a sudden tens of other people did it yeah. either the, that year or the the following year and then eventually there are high school students now that are running under 4 minutes a mile Yes. and now that's just oh yeah that's that's done that's fine so sure. yeah you can you can think of like a, a friend of mine we were talking one time he was thinking of writing a book on mental models and he says what do you think like what's another way of thinking of a mental model and i said well are is that any different than a principle and we really couldn't see any real difference between the two so if you think of people sometimes get confused with well, what's a principle what's the difference between that and a belief what's that and a mental model it's all kind of the same thing it's what you imagine to be true yeah. and we don't we don't necessarily make our choices and set goals and live our lives 
based on actual reality. Yeah. You know, the one that we all share. Mm. And another way to think of this is we all, this is the way I, I this is the principle of mine at least. Yeah. There's one reality, but we all live in different worlds. So yeah. again, we don't necessarily act on reality, but we act on what we imagine reality is. Mm. And so that's why some people have religious faith and some people you know they're just irreligious they just no that's not for me and and they can both be good people they just have completely different and you can almost think of it as opposite ways of thinking of the world yet they both make choices and where the difference comes in though is sometimes the person who has faith has a completely different perspective when things are the most bleak that they have a strength that the person who doesn't have religious faith potentially right might not have because now everything else all of their physical support their 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 friends their family maybe all of that is gone and they they only have themselves and if they don't have enough belief in their own abilities then they become they they lose it they're out they've been taken out where someone in the same situation with maybe religious faith there is something there for them to believe that the other person does not have yeah but it's not necessarily always the same someone yeah. else who has re religious belief might actually think you know why have you forsaken me like everything that i wanted or in my life is now gone i'm being punished and they might become bitter whereas the other person says no i'm still fine i have myself and this is where i put my you know so anyway i'm just getting into the weeds things i like to think about but yeah oh my gosh i think you'll have to come back Corey, and we can talk more about that because actually <laughs> just earlier today i was listening to another one of my favorite teachers who was talking about exactly this idea mm -hmm. actually um and uh, creating a distinction oh my gosh I won't get into it, but this is one of the things that are topics or issues that I'd love to talk about also. Um, but okay, so let's wrap up for today. And um, do you have any last words that you want to share before before we go? I'm not sure. I think I guess I'll, I'll finish what we were just talking about, where I was saying we don't necessarily act on reality. Um, imagination is something that I think, <clears throat> and Einstein said this, he said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge because, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically there is no limit to the imagination. Yes. Whereas knowledge, you know, we have limited knowledge and, and, and trying to learn everything that's available is, for one person is is beyond us even as a society i mean obviously they're they're trying to gather all the knowledge but from just our own experience of life and what we are striving toward if if a person can understand or hold even just loosely that what they think or what they imagine is real and is a limitation for them is only a belief. It's only what they're imagining at the moment. Mm. If they can, if they can imagine past that, then they can think beyond what they know and what they are limiting themselves by at the moment. So that person who is 
scared to go in the elevator. Other people go in the elevator and they don't even think of it. They're like, they're talking about what, they're just talking with their friend. Mm -hmm. they, they don't think I'm in a, in a closed space, I could be killed. But this is what somebody who has that fear is imagining. They're, they're not just in the moment. The, um, the Stoic philosopher Seneca said that we suffer more in imagination mm -hmm. than we do in reality. I think he did not go far enough. I think we only suffer in imagination because if we're just in the, the present moment, then there's nothing to be afraid of because fear is imagining something that might happen that's in the future that's not happening right now. So imagining that, that elevator's door is going to close and it's just going to plummet, that's not happening. But that's that's what's causing the anxiety and the fear. Mm -hmm. So yeah imagination that's usually where I, I i draw everything to in the end it's it's what are you imagining is true and could you imagine something more useful something mm. that you would prefer instead so what you were saying about you know you were beating yourself up yeah and and looking learning from your coach to look for the good in the situation instead of imagining what you assumed was this is real mm. no there, there's actually something beyond what you're just imagining there there's endless possibilities beyond just this one thought or group of thoughts but it sometimes does take a little bit of conditioning <laughs> yes building mental strength building mental toughness awesome thank you so much Corey, once again and we are going to be adding your links in the in the show notes we'll even add a link to the mental toughness mini summit so i hope everyone is listening Great. if it has not happened yet make sure you sign up for the mental toughness mini summit and join it i'm definitely signing up myself i really uh, am looking forward to uh, learning more from you um, that way and in other ways so yeah until we connect next time i wish you lots and lots of peace and joy Thank you.